Greetings and welcome to HFS's Unfiltered Stories podcast. My name is Rohan Kulkarni and I lead the healthcare practice at HFS Research. I have with me Ravish Diwan, who is the CEO of Joget. Joget is an acclaimed low-code, no-code enterprise and has been winning a lot of laurels in the recent past. Ravish also comes to us with a lot of experience at, in healthcare, uh, leading and managing core applications at Care First before he started leading Joget. Um, welcome, Ravish. I am really happy to have you here with us. Can you talk to us a little bit about Joget? Tell us a little bit about what it is and what it does, please. Sure. Thank you very much, Rohan, um, for this session. Uh, Joget, uh, let me talk about Joget. Joget is a low-code, no-code platform. We are an open-source, low-code, no-code platform. Uh, essentially, what it means is empowering non-coders to build business applications. Um, it sounds simple, uh, but it is extremely powerful, um, as in the sense that uh, even someone who does not know coding should be able to build business applications. That's what we are all about. And um, there is a there is an extreme uh, you know interest in low-code platforms these days, um, essentially to accelerate what businesses are doing from digitization standpoint and from from digital transformation standpoint. Excellent, excellent. Um, can you kind of dig a little bit deeper into low-code, no-code? And I ask you that because the expression low-code, no-code in software seems like a little bit of an oxymoron. How can you have no-code and low-code and yet be soft software? So if you can talk <laughs> a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, good question, Rohan. Um, the, uh, we, we get this question a lot. Um, one, um, you know, what does low code and no code means? So let me just talk about no code. Um, what low code, no code means is basically, I don't want to code, uh, but I do want to configure and compose business applications. And um, do I need a, a developer for that? Maybe not. Someone who understands businesses someone who understands um, technology. So I call them business technologists, if you will. Um, power users uh, who, who are in the middle of, you know, un, uh, clarity with business, what they want to do, and yet having some idea about technology, right? Uh, those are the people who can develop business applications using low-code, uh, no-code platforms. Now, there are two different types of platforms. One is low-code, wherein you have to write code and yet you can develop fast. No code platforms like Joget, um, you, uh, there, there is a reason why we call ourselves low code, no code platform. So no code means I don't want to code at all and yet I want to develop this complex business application. You can do that with, with uh, you know, a platform like Joget. Drag and drop and you can create you know, screens, you can create searchable views, you can create process, um, you know, backend process workflow. You can attach all that into a switch that into a business applications without writing code. Now there is nothing in this world that I can give you that tells you no code needed at all. I will be lying. <laughs> um, what it means is I need something very custom, and I want to be able to, uh, you know, uh, extend Joget, uh, for example, to do something very specific a feature that Joget does not have. So there is an ability to create plugins. There is an ability to customize a few things. And for that, you need to write a little bit of code. And that's where it goes from no code to low code. 
um, and uh, you know it, it moment we go from no code to low code the power of the platform also extends because it brings in the possibilities to do what you want to do with the platform something very custom that can help you achieve your goal that you are trying for fascinating <clears throat> So Ravish, let's st step into our next section that we call talking unfiltered. Um, one of the challenges in healthcare, particularly around tech debt, that increases the cost of operations and innovation, constrains the capabilities and struggles to adapt to the changing market conditions. Um, low code, no code appears to me as a really good solution for that, but yet a lot of health plans tend to drag their feet. Um, I have a little bit of a perspective having spent a lot of time with the health plans, uh, owning, managing their core systems. In fact, um, that was part of my role in, in, in my last, uh, last gig before I came, at, uh, came to HFS. And what I have taken away from that is that health plans are generally risk covers. Um, they are in many ways wedded to the legacy um, legacy value chain just because they're extremely comfortable with that. Um, the second thing I also have believe is that the complexity uh, in terms of the benefits design has continued to increase, uh, which is again a little bit of an oxymoron because, because of the increased complexity, that should be a motivation to actually change. However, it appears that um, the, again, there's a bias towards wanting to stay with what you know best versus wanting to change. And then the last thing I'll also call out is that it's, it's extremely difficult to develop a business case to replace uh, core systems because it's really an investment into the future. And typically, some of the uh, business cases that I've participated in shows that IRRs on these could be as long as 10 years. And most health plans don't really plan out for 10 years, right? So that, that's a little bit of a challenge. So I, I just wanted to draw your impressions and your perspectives, you know, given the fact that you have a lot of experience with, with core systems as well. Yeah. Good question, Rohan. Um, let me first talk about, um, you know, a changing environment. You know, uh, COVID happened and overnight, um, every single business changed, whether it was digital or not, you know, whether they changed for, uh, because they are doing really good, whether, whether they change for, because they were not able to do good uh, in the COVID or, or so-called remote environment, and they had to change themselves to become more digital. Every single company uh, on this earth had to take a different path, uh, right? And taking the different path and being digitized, not everyone thought about that that it will happen, has to happen so fast. So, you know, talking to our customers, a lot of our customers, you know, in various industries um, are trying to digitize themselves, uh, realizing that earlier they were able to work on the spreadsheets, people sitting around, they can make things happen. Not the case anymore. Um, now let's talk about healthcare. Um, you know, for a moment, I want to take a step back and talk about healthcare industry as such. So if you look at healthcare industry, and you, uh, there are two ends. One is the healthcare industry. The other one is the retail. You know, you will find a lot of things or innovation starts at the retail, and and healthcare is the last. Uh, you know, <clears throat> adopter of healthcare. Um, you know, adopter of any emerging technology. It's retail. Then it's it's I call it finance, and and then comes you know everything else and and healthcare. 
So healthcare obviously is a slow adopter of newer technologies or emerging technologies. It's changing over time because what healthcare companies are realizing is uh, they are less of a healthcare but more of a digital companies. And if you are not there, um, you know the environment is going to force you out uh, or make you do things. Um, healthcare specifically is highly data driven, and um, and to be data driven, you have to digitize and capture that data first, right? So uh, you know talking about now healthcare industry thinking about you know large investment for digitization and then and then thinking about roi will take uh, a bunch of time i should not be deviating from my path that's a wrong assumption they are working with right now because um if you look at some of the healthcare companies they are they are more now becoming a, a healthcare product or digital product companies and it is a myth right now that you have to have a lot of huge investments just like core systems to change um, the way these platforms work like for example local platforms it eliminates a lot of grunt work in terms of you know the developer has to do and developers are expensive you know as simple as that not a lot of companies can hire a lot of high power developers and get these things done you know, in a short period of time. That's where low-code platform comes into picture. And that's where low-code platform can help with these, um, you know, with the businesses. Now, I, I want to bring up a very simple example. If you go across health plans and try to find out, um, even large ones, um, I'll not name any, but even large ones, and ask them, have they digitized their, for example, appeals and grievances pro um, process? Have they digitized their enrollment process? I'm not talking about 834s. I'm more talking about, you know, getting the data from various, uh, you know, brokers and agencies that they get internally. All this is still coming in spreadsheets, you know, or on, uh, you know, appeals on paper and all. The reason being is when you put the cost together, they think that it's going to take time and effort and a lot of money to do that. That is not the case anymore. You know, if you look at some of these low-code platforms, um, you know, especially Joget, I can talk about that you can very quickly digitize your process. We are not talking about, you know, months. We are talking about weeks now, right? One of the health plan went ahead and, and implemented, uh, uh, you know, a solution in, in less than four weeks. You know, I'll just talk about a bank as well. One of the, uh, one of the bank in New Zealand, they went from, um, you know, contracting to implementation in production in four weeks, right? So it's not months that we need. It's the desire to, to change because low-code platforms, there's a different thought process for development. So it's the change that they need to, you know, work out in the organization, not the cost. Cost is coming down with these platforms and acceleration in delivery is happening. So overall cost anyway decreases over time. So it's really a mindset change that is required, not so much the, the technology um, that, that should be holding healthcare companies back, I hear. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's a very encouraging response, Ravish, thanks. Uh, so let me pu pull on that thread a little bit, right? Which is in the last few minutes that we've been talking about, you've been expounding on the virtues of low code, no code, which all makes logical sense to me. But really there has to be some limitations. Can you shine some light on that? Good question. Actually, uh, um, that, that's a very good question. Um, I think one of the things that 
uh, I see various organizations try to do is, uh, you know, take what they were doing earlier and they want to implement that as is in a digitized form. You know, there comes the limitation. Um, I always say, when you automate a mess, you get an automated mess, which means the mess is going to ha start happening at a much faster pace. So the uh, if you if you think about the old ways of doing things and you want to do it in a low code platform, we try to challenge our customers that you know if you will run into limitations because the platform is built for future, not for past, and you know rearranging what you are trying to do in a new way is going to be very important. Re-engineering your processes is going to be very important to leverage these platforms fully. Um, I'll give you an example, um, a large government agency. Um, again, I will not name them. They had a very complex, uh, you know, paper form. And, you know, when we look at that and they wanted to implement uh, exactly that. Now they ended up implementing that for various reasons by customization and creating a plugin and all. But when I had a discussion, I said, this is an old, old paper and we would recommend, you know, change it to a new way of doing things. Just change the screens. And there comes the limitation. It was difficult to achieve it out of the box. So there was a very custom plugin that was created to overcome that limitation. There is always a workaround irrespective of the fact, right? Uh, but, you know, that those barriers, those are the big barriers from limitation standpoint. Do not think about bringing in, um, you know, the platform and then sticking to old ways of doing things. You will run into limitations invariably if you do that. I, I love the fact that automating mess equals automated mess. That's lovely. I, I think that essentially succinctly describes the limitations if, if there is a limitation, right? Um, let me also ask you about emerging technologies, uh, which is clearly exciting, right? Whether it's artificial intelligence or blockchain and ML, you know, all these buzzwords will flow off our tongues. Um, but I'm just curious in terms of how do you compare emerging technology versus low code, no code? Yeah. Uh, low code, no code is not new. Um, if you ask me, Rohan, if you go back, um, you know, um, a number of years, there are various platforms, uh, there are various languages that have tried to do that. You know, something called visual basic, if you will. Eventually, it was also similar to low code. You have to drag and drop, put a text box there um, and, you know, start configuring that. But you configured that more in, in terms of code also. So it is not new. Um, the approach, how you are using it and implementing it has changed. Everything is on web, you know. Um, for example, if you're using Jogit, you don't need to install anything on your, you know, uh, developer laptop or desktop or anything. Everything is completely web-driven. Um, second is mobile. Um, the, you know, uh, I've seen a lot of customers thinking about their application and ignoring that, you know what, you will be using it on some kind of a mobile device, whatever be the case, mm -hmm. right? So these, in, in that form, low-code is, is new uh, and emerging because what it is giving you is the omni-channel for, you know, whether you are on 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 web, on um, you know on mobile, and not just that, um, we have customers who are integrating um, you know their applications with a number of providers or partners they are using. Let's let's say for example, customer onboarding. 
at their various partners. Um, there, there are various channels to do that. And what, uh, you know, what low code and for example, Joe get gives you is ability to embed their, what they've built into another application also. So in that sense, it is emerging and it is, it, it is constantly changing. For example, another example I'll give you is, you know, if you look at mobile apps and, you know, there's something called PWA, which is progressive web apps. Progressive web app has taken it to a whole different level. I don't need anything installed on my, you know, phone. Even if I save that, you know, um, you know, web page as, as a home screen icon, I can get push notifications, you know, a completely different thing. Um, so in that sense, low code is bringing all that newer technology to access. Uh, two more things I want to talk about. You said blockchain and AI, right? So um, in our platform, Joget, we have enabled customers to embed AI. You know, if you have a, you know, AI model and you can, um, you know, um, on TensorFlow, you can embed that AI capability within your business application. Similarly, we have created a Hyperledger, um, you know, fabric uh, plugin for reading and writing to a fabric, you know, chain, uh, blockchain. So these things are bringing it to bear. I mean, if you look at blockchain, blockchain is not a technology problem. It is more of a business problem. How we want to leverage from business standpoint, right? So what we are trying to do is give that in hands of business. Business cannot write blockchain, you know, but what low code does is, you know, hides that abstracts from them. And then they are, they have the ability to drag and drop, pull that prototype together all by themselves to showcase what blockchain can bring to the table. So in these terms, I, I see low code as an emerging technology that is completely advancing. I know, I wish I would have been able to leverage, you know, this kind of technology earlier. I would have done things differently. I would have used the same budget much more creatively, doing much more or bigger application than what I, I used to deliver earlier. But, um, you know, given the newer technologies that came in, uh, the UX, um, you know, um, uh, capabilities that came in, it gives customers now a very different level of flexibility uh, in terms of leveraging newer technologies. So what I'm taking away from, uh, from those examples is that low-code, no-code is actually complementing emerging technologies in, in many ways. It augments Absolutely. it and it, it actually strengthens it, which is, again, very encouraging uh, because... It, to me, and you've said this a few times here on, on this podcast, at the end of the day, um, low-code, no-code actually empowers the business to go about executing it by enabling technologies in a much more smarter manner, which is really, I think it's a call, call for the day in, in so many ways. Um, Ravish, you and I have been talking for a number of years now, and one of the things that I enjoy the most is your experience with other industries and some of the examples um, about the execution of Joget in, in the other industries. And I'm hoping if you can share a couple of those uh, that will inspire healthcare to kind of accelerate its own transformation. Yeah. yeah. So um, um, very good question, Rohan. And, and what we always see is, you know, we have customers across various verticals. We have government customers, we have logistics, banking, finance, you know, all sorts of um, customers. What we see is um, the, you know, like a manufacturing industry would solve a problem in a very different way than uh, a banking 
um, industry. Essentially, they're trying to do similar things, but their thought process is very different. And um, let me pick up uh, pick up an example from banking industry. Banking is is becoming more and more retail, you know, if you will. So I'm going to open up a bank account. I can go to any uh, channel. I, I can open it on web. I can go to a branch. And then they have various partners who help them, you know, do this recruitment for customers and, and whatnot. And if you look at that, and if you look at healthcare, if you have to buy a plan, the, the plan is sold through an employer group or something like that. A small business buying a plan is, is a challenge um, in itself. Um, that's going to change. That's going to change. You know, there are exchanges now that you can individually go and buy the plan. That was not the case earlier. All that broker-driven business is turning itself, you know, upside down to a, a highly, um, you know, customer-driven, channel-driven uh, approach. And when that happens in healthcare, it is exactly following the, the same route what retail did, what finance, you know, banking is doing, and eventually, you know, healthcare will be doing. Um, so there is no, if you, even if, if you talk about small businesses, there is no direct purchase from a health plan today. Right. And all number of health plans are, are trying to figure out, you know, what will be the direct channel for them. Right. Uh, it's currently completely broker driven um, or, or, you know, large accounts driven. Right. But small and medium businesses and individual business, uh, individuals still, still a challenge to, to go through. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do agree with you that uh, the distribution channels are going to change significantly for health plans, particularly uh, given that the gig economy is beginning to expand. And one of the impacts of the gig economy is that more and more people are going to go on 1099s, which yeah. actually dilutes the employer-driven channel quite a bit. Um, and so I, I tend to agree with, um, with your thoughts there. Uh, Ravish, let, let's skip to the very last part and begin to talk a little bit about the future here, if you would. Um, you know, you, you kind of touched upon this earlier uh, in the podcast as well, um, around the business taking control over some of the execution. And I think you've used the term citizen developer in some of our past conversations. Can you just expand upon that? What does that look like? What is the timeline? Um, and how do we see the impact of that uh, leveraging low code, no code, please? I, yeah, actually, drone timeline is now, um, and you know, by all means, because that um, that train left the station way back. Um, I'll uh, share you uh, with you. If you look at PMI, Project Management Institute, um, right? They had a PMP certification. They now have a Citizen Developer certification. So, um, you know, if that became a certification, it is becoming a practice right now. And what it is doing is it is helping those SMEs who really know the business, um, you know, put their, um, their thought process in terms of, you know, software or if you will, application, making easy for them. But it's, it's, it also requires a discipline. Um, so there are, there are like three different certifications and two more coming in from PMI. Citizen practitioner, citizen foundation, you know, the business architect, you know, all these are these certifications are 
for uh, a non-coder, right? Um, because you can pick up any any uh, any of these platforms. You still have to have that thought process, um, you know, in you how you should be leveraging the platform for, you know, for maximizing the value for, uh, you know, for your organization. So, um, you know, the the time is now. You know, if there are companies uh, that have not looked at these platforms, I guarantee, you know, they are they 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 are going to be behind on, you know, what is happening because the speed at which you can do things is very different than, uh, you know. Uh, conventional application development. Um, I'm not saying conventional application development has accelerated, but this is a whole different thing. You know, if you if you go to some of the, the webinars that we've done earlier, you know, we literally go from no infrastructure to a working business process application in 15 minutes. It's difficult to do that, uh, you know, with coding. Um, now, I am sure um, you know a very strong coder would debate, debate that any day. Um, I understand, but the capabilities you know when I when I when I bring up you know I had a very um, you know interesting conversation with um, another consulting firm and they're like why not developers? Great, you can do that. You know there are so many other features that come out of the box. You know audit control, your role based access. You know security is on everyone's mind, right? How do you ensure that? There are so many of those things come out of the box that it is going to be difficult for any developer to accelerate that piece, you know, um, you know, from scratch. Um, so that's the that's the thought process. It's a it's a different mindset because there are certain things that you are getting out of the box that you would develop otherwise is going to be very expensive deal, and mm-hmm. and that's where you know it helps. It is clearly game changing, and uh, I, 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 there's no question about that. Um, but l- let me pull one thread there: something that you just said about infrastructure. The fact that low code, no code does not require the kind of traditional legacy infrastructure of big boxes, if you would, um, touches my heart in in one particular manner. I have taken the position that healthcare is one of the biggest drivers um, when it comes to uh, climate climate change. And I, I say that because when you think about healthcare, obviously healthcare is too late, right? We think about it in terms of the entire ecosystem about health, wellness, and then healthcare. And, and, and the social determinants that drive a lot of this is about our behaviors. And our behaviors, whether it's be software development or other, uh, from, a, from a health and healthcare standpoint, is a pretty large driver uh, for climate change. And so the fact that you are indicating that um, that the kind of infrastructure is, is likely not required for low code, no code, suggests to me that low code, no code actually could be a friend in our fight to reverse climate change in many ways. What do you think about that, Ravish? Yeah. Um, interesting question, Rohan. Um, you know, I've not had a chance to relate low code, um, you know, platforms with the you know sustainability or climate change, but I can see that clearly. I, I, I'll you know, say this, you know, one of our customer wanted to, uh, you know, develop something, it would have taken them almost around, you know, a year or more than a year to do that had they been coding. So they stumbled upon Jogit and they implemented, um, you know, more than thousand screens and hundred plus workflows, you know, with a very small team, five people team, right? And if I equate that to the compute power, that they would have used over the year and what they did in, in less than 24 weeks, right? 
it is uh, it's going to be you know 50% of the consumption saved as simple as that wow. right so whether you are talking about um, you know uh, developer resources server res- resources infrastructure they used 50% less infrastructure to do that uh, to deliver that you know compound that with you know number of organizations across the globe there can be significant saving from you know compute power standpoint and compute uses energy to get there um, as simple as that um so that's that's how i see you know it, it directly contributes towards the sustainability and the climate change um you know support that we want from everyone absolutely you know and th- that is extremely encouraging in in so many ways um and clearly low code no code um provides a lot of a lot of benefits both from a business standpoint but also from a sustainability standpoint uh, so rubish on that happy note i'd like to say thank you very much uh, it has been a pleasure i love that i love this conversation and i hope to do this again with you very soon thank you thank you so much rohan appreciate it